episode 24, Raising Prices. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. Sharing the adventure of leading and growing a bootstrap SaaS company. Hear the experiences, challenges, wins, and losses shared in each episode. From Aaron Wykey of GatherUp and Darren Shaw of Whitespark. Let's go. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Darren. And the best way to sum me up right now is I am malaised in Minnesota, if that's even a a correct way to say that. I have no idea. I have to look it up. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I should be inventing, inventing words, but as we were just talking before hitting record, Darren, and one thing... Um, you know, we haven't recorded in almost two months, which is just silly of us. It's been a while. Um, yeah, too too long. We need to do better if uh, we want to keep listeners going up and to the right. People yeah. have probably forgotten about us. So yeah, we'll try to win your hearts and minds back. But yeah, we were we were just discussing. I'm you know I've just been in a little bit of a funk for various reasons. Um, you know, some of the obvious things. COVID and restricted, you know, or compressed life of not yeah. as many freedoms or For sure. sp- especially, I don't know, I, I consider myself to be a creative person. And so I feed off of like other environments and travel and observation and things like that. And my world just so much consists of home, work, home, work, and, yeah. and work is just pretty much Zoom. Home, Zoom, home. <laughs> so. Yeah, we, we would just call it Groundhog Day around here. It's like every day, it's like that movie Groundhog Day where it just feels like you're going through the motions day after day and there's no variety in life right now. Yeah, and it, it's, I don't know, I was trying to talk about it with Marcy, my wife, and, you know, there's just this little piece of when you don't, I don't, I don't know. And I, I might, I just might be messed up in how I see this, but when you don't have like certain things to look forward to, right? Like right. time with friends or an outing or a trip or being at a sporting event, things like that. Like th- those are things that like definitely provide like a little bit of spark and optimism and all those different things. And yeah, it's just so severely lacking. And with the season change in Minnesota, we've kind of flipped back to life being a lot more indoors, um, at least until we get some snow on the ground. And then hopefully I can get, I'm going to, I'll probably do more snowboarding this year than the last five years combined. So. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do about the, the hill? Like when you go to the hill, are you going to bring your own lunch? Are you going to go into the lodge? You're going to eat lunch in the lodge. You're going to use a washroom in the lodge. Just, I'm all like super COVID sensitive. So I'm just wondering how you handle that. Yeah, I I haven't thought that far yet. I mean, the the hill that's closest to me literally only takes 25 minutes to get there. And it's super small. It's like eight runs. So like going there for two to three hours of runs, um, and then you can call it a day. So, um, but there's definitely, there's a couple others around here that take an hour or a couple hours to get to that are worth it. And yeah, then I'll probably, I'll probably just bring something along and bust it back out to the car and refuel so yep yeah sounds good yeah at least you get no yeah that's easily one of the consistent things i just not have been you know i'm not i haven't at any point had a meal inside of a 
restaurant, cafe, anything like that since all this started. I, sure. I did use, you know, we have some very nice and well-spaced outside patios and uh, things like that that we've done a few times within the local community, especially to support some of the local business owners in addition to doing takeout. But that's that's been about it. Yeah, we've been like all meals all the time, making them at home. No takeout either. So it's been it's a lot of work. You just, this is the, that Groundhog Day thing where we're just like going through the motions all day long. It'd be nice to just get a break from dinner where it just shows up at the door, right? But we're, yep. we're just, uh, you know, we're, we're just extra careful. Yep. No, totally get it. So anyway, I, I feel like I'm working my way out of it. I probably hit the bottom of it a couple weeks ago and just been trying to pay more attention to exercise and yeah. Alcohol intake and sure. screen time and, you know, just all those different things. It's a, right. It's not a, there, there's not one thing to cure when you kind of feel that way. You got to kind of take all the pieces and say, how do I, how do I bump all of these things up a level to contribute to finding a, a better place to be? Yeah. I think it's just a natural ebb and flow. You know, it's like you, you're going to go through really solid, awesome months and you're going to have some time where you're feeling a little lower. Like, gosh, it's just like a constant up and down for me, yeah. you know, over the months. What have you, what have you been doing to fight that off? So exercise has been a thing for sure. I'm trying to get more sleep lately. Um, you know, I've, I've been really diligent about my exercise routine. Actually, COVID has been great for exercise because like, you know, it's just part of my routine and I have it all kind of locked in and my schedule has gotten really good. You know, I've got a new morning routine. I'm feeling productive and focused and it's going, it's going pretty well, actually. I'm, I'm going through a, a good period right now. Awesome. Good for you. I don't feel like I really need too much. I think I might be a little bit introverted in some ways where I'm like, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't see my friends in person for two years, I'd be like, oh, that's okay. And then I'll, I'll see them in two years and be like, hey, great to see you. But like, it, it doesn't like wear me down, really. I've always been like as a teenager, I just spent every weekend locked in my bedroom playing video games. So I'm, I'm used to this. I, I come from a long history of, of COVID times. <laughs> See, I'm I'm definitely more social. I would say I was probably on the like social extreme in my youth where like right. I was always always with friends, always playing sports, always doing things. Sure. Um and then you know, as time got has gone on and especially just being more dedicated or turning into the workaholic or or whatever else, like that isolation has crept in much more, but I I still like if I had to put a time frame on it like Every, you know, once a month or once every couple of months, like I, I would like to have a day or an evening of adult socialization, uh, yeah. you know, some something to do, conversations to be had. I can't I can't go for I don't want to go for years without seeing some of my friends and things like that. So I need a little tighter cycle. Yeah. And I, I used to get that all the time. I, every week there would be multiple things happening because my wife does such a good job of sort of organizing our social calendar. Right. But now it doesn't exist anymore. And I guess one thing I'm just noticing is that I guess it doesn't bother me too much, which is I guess maybe a little surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you. You got it under control. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it and, uh, I'll figure my way out the uh, other side. I can see. I can see if you raise a light, I'll get there. So I feel like I'm unusual. Like I, th I think you know, most people 
certainly want more social engagement. And I, I want it too, but you know, I'm, I'm able to to progress without it. What's going on with the with the business? What's happening with your SaaS company? Yeah, a lot of uh, you know, en- end of the year. I always kind of look at it like this: you you have to face the reality of what you actually can accomplish for the remaining couple months of the year. Um, And it's usually not what you had planned. Uh, So that's the facing the reality part of like, all right, we still have these five things and we actually can do two of them now. Um, So that really kind of shapes up how the year is going to end. And then you start um, Q1 planning with what's there. Um, So that, you know, that's been, I'm I'm used to like how that works. So that, that feels kind of, pretty normal. Um, we had a opportunity pop up. We're using a, an integration partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're using a solution called tray.io. Mm-hmm. Um, and the easiest way to explain this is they help make um, uh, integrations, direct integrations possible with their software in more of like a, being able to create like a Zapier type connection inside of your product. Oh, okay. So We'll be able to have an integrations tab. The first one that we're working on right now for us is Salesforce. Nice. So within a handful of clicks, you'll be able to sync to your Salesforce account and you know start going through those. And so Salesforce is our first one. And then we will have four others in the subsequent sprints. I think we're just going to try to tackle one integration every sprint. So probably like QuickBooks Online, MailChimp, um, you know, just some of the ones that when we pulled customers or what yep. what people have asked about uh, for for integrations. So excited excited uh, about that. But that kind of um, popped up into the radar within the last few months and rapidly shot to the top. So that's also been part of kind of throwing off some of the product plan and roadmap. So that's interesting. So basically, right now integrations are kind of the onus is on a customer to create the zap. Right? They've got to go and create that zap and and on their own. Whereas now you can just press a button in the software. That'd be the difference. Yeah. Uh, you know, really what exists now is we either, you know, we'll do an integration for a customer and use that product's API, Mm -hmm. um, or a customer could use our API and do the integration if they have a home built CRM or different piece of software that they want to, uh, integrate with. And then obviously Zapier is like a third party marketplace, right? Where you build, we've, built the gather up Zapier app years ago. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's 2000 apps in the Zapier marketplace. So you can use Zapier and pay them. And then you get to build as many connections as you want between different tools and things like that. Right. Um, And then, yeah, this basically, you know, I, I use Zapier the same kind of way because you don't have to do any coding with it, right? It's a series of selections to set up the integration and what's the trigger and what's the action and, and things like that. Trey is the one that handles those. So they basically have done the work from the API of all those other solutions into their interface. And then they take our API and do that into the interface. And then we're able to iframe in that integration builder that, you know, Here's your API credentials, your your key, what account, what are you looking to do, and and kind of build out that process without, you know, you don't have to touch any code. It's just kind of click click away and build nice. your integration how you want it to work. Nice. I'm gonna look into that. It sounds pretty handy. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a little spendy. It's not cheap, but when you just start looking right, when you have thousands of customers and you just yeah. kind of need a few hundred that can utilize it and 
integrations make your product so sticky and the efficiency that's there and just getting things to automatically talk to each other without human interaction is of big benefit. Yeah, definitely. Huge value. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, we got a lot of things uh, coming up that I'm very excited about. I'm looking forward to a number of launches. Uh, one, which is like um, getting the very final tweaks on it today, are is a whole new design for our local rank tracking product. So we rebuilt and redesigned our local citation finder um, back in the spring. And then it really made our local rank tracker look like garbage so it was like oh we got this nice new design on the local citation finder wish we had a nice looking local rank tracker which the local rank tracker actually looked pretty decent before but we're now trying to have a common design feel ui elements everything should be the same across all products and so we're implementing that design on the rank tracker which i'm thrilled about it looks fantastic once you get into doing this kind of work, you end up adding a bunch of features too. So it's got some improvements. And so, yeah, can't wait to launch that. That's basically done. It needs, uh, it just needs the marketing plan, which we're working on now. It's like, how, what, like what's our launch plan, right? So we're, we're putting that together. Our brand new account system, which has been in development for ages, is pretty much done as well. So we'll be launching that. It's just a new ordering system, your authentication, logging in your billing receipts, all that stuff will be in accounts. And so we, our first version was built back in 2011 and it's ancient and Frankenstein-y. It's just like been bolted on, everything's been put together and it's, it's just unmanageable now. So this new one's been built in a modern tech stack and can't wait to launch that. And then we also have uh, on the horizon, our local listing scan tool. So just a, uh, tool. You can type in your business info. It'll show you all your listings and, and audit them and show you inconsistencies. And we're integrating that to our local citation finder, which kind of brings us to the topic of this podcast, because when we launch this huge new feature, I plan to finally raise prices. We've had the same prices for the local citation finder for the past 10 years. We've never increased our pricing plans. And so this so one, it's overdue because we've improved the tool significantly. We didn't even increase prices when we completely redesigned it. And um, and two, this, this feature that we're launching brings significant additional value. So I'm really thinking about raising prices, how to structure the prices, whether I grandfather in. And so I'd love to chat about all that on the podcast today. Yeah. Wow. There's some interesting components to that. Um especially with probably the amount of time that you've had a product out there and have improved it and made it better and added yeah. more things. And yet the price has remained untouched yeah, um, in that entire time. Yeah. Way underpriced right now. Yeah. So I think let's start with one place I would love to hear you comment on. And I know it's a, uh, an area that I've, I've, uh, gone through like, uh, you know, prior to COVID, GatherUp was planning our second price raise um, yep. in our six-year history and more of one than uh, we had done our, our first time. And the first thing I thought, you know, that I just watched both in myself and then watched kind of across our team as we discussed it and everything else is just the emotional grappling with mm -hmm. this uncomfortable of, I'm going to ask people for more money and they're going to have a reaction to that. And what, sure. what has that been like for you especially? Yeah, I guess I don't feel too emotionally tied. 
is that is what have kept you from doing it the last 10 years? Like, why haven't you raised prices? Maybe we should start there. And that might be that answer. I actually think that our product for the last 10 years has been relatively priced correctly because we did not enhance it too much over those 10 years. It, it just kind of sat there. Uh, it still had its old design. You know, we could have looked at raising prices when we launched the new version in the spring. That would have been a time. Um, but prior to that, honestly, I wouldn't have felt just justified raising prices because while prices didn't change for 10 years, the functionality didn't really change for 10 years either. It did not get that much better. We were not iterating on it. We were working on other products. And so that's, that's probably the main reason that uh, I never raised prices. And this time around, I don't really feel too emotional about it. I feel like, yeah, sure. I, I feel like everyone's been getting an awesome free ride for the last 10 years. So when I raise prices, I feel completely justified to do it. But uh, maybe maybe I should be a bit more careful. Like I don't really want to piss people off, but I feel like they'll understand the reasoning and they'll also see the value in the new features. Yeah. And I think along the topic of grandfathering, like the, the first time we did a price raise, we grandfathered and said, hey, yep. if you're currently with us, we're not changing your your pricing on this plan. Um, you know, ours had a few different elements to it. We had one plan at the time and then we rolled out three additional plans and we said, hey, if you're on the basic plan, pricing for that is not changing. You'll stay there. Yep. And then here's the new plans and their pricing, which was our new pricing model. So it was basically all new customers were going to be paying more and there were now more plans out there. So right. in one essence for us, it wasn't where we were going to anyone and saying, okay, you were paying $200 a month this month. And in two months from now, you're going to pay $300 a month, right? There's right. a 50% increase. So, yep. and that becomes a, a lot different, but I feel like in your case with the amount of time that's gone by and everything else, like I would... I would probably take grandfathering off the table because you've you've kind of grandfathered people for 10 years with the same price. I'm definitely taking grandfathering off the table. Um, and I, also, I think, you know, it creates a bit of problem down the road with our account structure too. It's like, I just want everybody to be on the same plans. We don't have these like legacy accounts, right? I just want everybody to be on the same pricing model. And I'm not... Yeah, we will lose some. So I was originally thinking to go like hardcore with it and double prices across all of our plans. But I, I, I scaled it back a bit. And now I'm going to go 50% increase across all of our plans. And I expect to lose, you know, maybe 20% of clients, but or of our of our customers. But uh, since I've raised prices by 50%, it'll be a net positive and then it'll certainly help going forward. That's important, really. It's like building a better base for going forward. And with these new features we're launching, there's a whole new marketing push. We will drive more customers coming in and we will retain more customers. So I, I feel like it's going to be probably the biggest lever we've ever pulled at this company to improve the business overall. Yeah. So what went into you arriving at the thinking of a hundred percent increase, then coming down to a 50%, like what are the things, what is the, the research decision-making? What yeah. went into that? It's mostly a gut feel. It's like, I, I put it into a spreadsheet. <laughs> I looked at the old price and the new price. And I tried to put myself in the shoes of a customer and thinking about what is palatable. So it is a bit of a guess. It's like, is it, if, if you double prices on me, 
even if this new functionality you're offering is pretty awesome, I'd be like, you know, damn, screw you. That's too much. Like it just feels like a double price is just a little too hefty. I could go double price and grandfather everyone in. And I think that would be fine. And I think the product may have that value. Um, but I also think it's a bit too harsh to double prices. And, and so that's why I scaled it back to 50% because the value is certainly still there from the company perspective, like the value we get from it. And I think it'll help us retain a much larger percentage of customers. I think we might see a mass exodus with a huge, like a, a doubling of prices. That's a little bit unheard of. That's yeah. That's the rationale anyways. What, what if you doubled the prices for new customers and 50% for your existing I could, but then I end up with uh, um, those mixed plans, right? Grandfathering, which I don't love. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's obviously a lot to think through, but when you look at, I guess there's a couple of things that it just leads me to ask in my head of, you know, one, it's just, it is that emotional change, the, what's the value that people feel, you know, what's the market look like? You have all these yeah. pieces. And so you have, you have one set of group that is price anchored, right? Because they've been paying X amount of dollars for X how long. And so that's the number in their head. So they're going to feel that one way or another. But then you have an entirely different group that like they, they have none of that, right? They come into your product and they have a problem. They need a solution for it. You're the solution. And the price you put out there, again, it, it has some weight based on the competitive market and what other choices they have, sure. but they don't have that historical emotional price anchoring. And I, I just wondering, I just, it, it's hard for me not to wonder if you're going to leave money on the table for those new customers coming in at a pretty significant amount. You know, it's a pretty good thought. It's a great line of thinking that I need to maybe sit with a bit and think about that as an option because the one thing that tests me back is, a, is our primary competitor. I know that it's less expensive over there, but I also know that we're, you know, X percent better than them on many things, particularly with the launch of this new feature. And so yep. that's where it's like, you know, I, I think I could easily sell against it even at our more expensive price. I'd be like, yeah, we are more expensive, but look at what we do versus what the competition does, right? So yeah, well, it's all it's all value based, right? I mean, we've yep. we I've I've played all, like all sides. Like number one, you don't ever want to be the cheapest solution in the market, like totally. yeah. ever. I don't ever want to be that. Um, I have, you know, we worked to move, gather up from close to the bottom to get us into the middle. Yep. And, you know, even that was hard for people. It's like, I, I never want to be winning customers just based on price, right? Sure. I want to be, I want to yep. be value winning customers across all these other things. And then when I look at the high end of our category, there's people at two to five X our price, right? And like, they're creating enough value to create that amount of distance. And so there's no reason I can't create enough value to like be in the the middle ground of what's there, Um or to be higher in some areas. So sure. I, I get, believe me, I'm a fan of simplicity, consistency, all of those things. But I mean, for the things that you have in your situation, I would be really tempted. I mean, because you can always, 
if you roll it out for a month and it goes bad, then you just change your pricing on the website, right? right. Then, then you bring it back down. But if you're bringing in, you know, two thirds of the same amount of customers you used to land at twice the price, right? That's all the reasons you do these things. Even the things you laid out, if you raise the price 50% and you only lose 20% of your customers, the, right. the added MRR to your bottom line is significant. It's huge. Yeah. That's why, you know, it's like such a, uh, a standard saying in SaaS, which is raise your prices, <laughs> charge more, charge more. That's what you hear all the time, right? Yep. And the longer you're around, the harder it is to do it often. So that's why I also look at, I think people should always consider, am I raising prices for right now here and today? Or am I raising them for also what I'm going to grow into in the next six months or, or even the next year? Because yep. going back and then again, cashing that emotional check, asking people to pay more again in six months or a year, like that might be the the more difficult part rather than right. reaching a little bit higher to start and saying like, yeah, it might be a little questionable in the moment, but with what we have planned and the trajectory we're on and what we're adding, like we're going to fulfill this next level of what we're, we're asking sooner than later. Sure. Yeah. You know, we did just raise our prices on one of our services and I've certainly seen a drop off in uh, signups for it. So pricing does feel like a, you know, it is this thing that you've got to get right. And so it's, it, and I always, I just hate pricing. It's just such a gut feel all the time, right? Like there must, it's hard to, to, to decide what your value is and just to pick position against your, uh, your competition. I just, pricing is a tough one. Yep. No, it definitely is, but it's so important because, I mean, the, the biggest thing that you have to look out of it is like margin, right? Because a margin is what you get to invest in the business to help it grow, to build more features, like all of those things. And if to you don't have, people, yeah, yep, if you don't have the right amount of margin, then you're, you know, you're never going to continue to ratchet things up, right? It's always like we have, we have enough to get by or maintain this level or do whatever else, but like we're not creating you know, enough of a gap and enough margin to like take some bigger steps forward with what we want to do with the product or the amount of marketing that we want to do or key hires, things like that. There's so much more you can do when you just have more money, right? Like we've always, as especially as a bootstrap company, we've always been restricted by our revenue and it's just been tough. Like, you know, that, that new developer you want to hire is always like, oh, you know, 50 more subscriptions away. You know, and that's just this frustrating way to operate. Whereas if I could pull that lever now and be like, boom, now we've got, we've got the margin to hire two no more developers, get another person on the marketing side, you know, just hire a salesperson. All these things that I have in mind that I want to do to help the company grow we're cash strapped. And so if you get your pricing right, um, then your growth is also increased. So yeah, I don't know. It's important to get it right. Yep. But I would say in order to get it right, you maybe have to push the ceiling, right? Yeah, like sure. you, you maybe have to look at, because you, you can, granted it creates, you know, work and other pieces and whatever else, but like 
you can go too high and then say we went too high and bring it back down. Yeah. It is more difficult to only take half a step up and realize we could have gone a whole nother step. And then you have to figure out how to take that next step and let enough time go by. Or now you have to tie it into like more value features, whatever that that might be. And that's where I just say like, I, I really think it's important when people look at this to take a calculated step and like, how do I take the step that's right where I'm not feeling like I need to do this again in six months or a year? Sure. Because I, I just fell short. I could have I could have gone further. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we are definitely going to raise prices. The amount that we raise them by is is uh, still in question. We're figuring that out. What uh, what's the process? So you know. We've got to communicate it to our users. Do I just launch the feature and be like, you know, as of tomorrow, your everyone's price is doubling? Do I launch the feature and then give like a month's runway or or three months for them to know? It's like, hey, we've just given you this awesome new functionality, and please know that in in three months your price is going up. What do you think? Yeah. So number one, like uh, early and often communication is definitely key to these. Um, I've watched a number of companies. I've listened to other people and read articles. And what you see over and over again is like, people need time to adjust to to what it is going to be. So to me, with any pricing change, I would at least be 60 to 90 days ahead of it. Yeah. Now, depending upon how your customers are are constructed, like um, if you have bigger VIP, um, stronger customers, I, I would book a call with them and say, "Hey, here's what we're planning for February first or March first. The first time in our history, we're going to raise prices. It's also coinciding yep. with this and everything else. Like, and let me give you a sneak peek of what these other things are." what questions do you have? Do you have any feedback? Right. And like yeah. give some of those trials where you have personal conversations with your best customers um, on it. It'll help you in how you think about communicating with it before you send out any emails or anything. I would have like, I would have those test conversations and those VIP conversations with them. Yeah. Okay. I think that's great advice. What do you do when you speak to one of these VIP customers and they're like, well, those features sound cool and everything, Darren. But honestly, if you double my prices, I'm out of here. So, <laughs> what do you what do you do then? Do you, yeah. do you then be like, okay, well, for you, we'll keep the old price. It just doesn't feel. It feels like a, a you know, uh, a tightrope to walk. Yeah, and, and that's where the I think some of the nuances to it are. You know, one, you have to understand where you sit in the marketplace, right? You, you'll you have to have kind of a, a few different talking points, right? Here's the factual things. Here's where we sit in the marketplace. You know, this is what the other options look like and how we compare to that. Here's yep. the things that we've done. You know, as being a longtime customer, you understand how well we support you. You understand our uptime, our delivery of quality, like all those things. You're, you're already aware of, of these aspects. And then you're also like, this is also a calculated move to allow us to, to grow more and, right. and to accomplish the things that, that we want to do. Um, and, and in that time, you know, likely like our costs to make these things happen have also gone up, right? right. So 
you're never going to win in a like, you know, tit for tat conversation. And, and you also, but you also can't let like one customer determine your pricing either, right? You're gonna, you're gonna have some, some of those things. You're going to have a few people that you know by name that have been with you a long time that this might cause them to leave because the only reason they're staying with you is because of price. Yeah. And this feature actually does come with a significant additional resource cost for us. So, you know, there's that too, that has to be factored in. So, yep. you know, I might say, okay, we'll lose 20% of our customers, but because we're raising the price by 50%, we're making 30% more money. That's not actually true. So it's important to actually think about these features and how they impact your expenses. And so yep. this new feature will, will cost us a decent amount of additional uh, in, in expenses. And so I have to factor that in as well. Yep. And I would definitely like, I would stay out of numbers. Um, I would also stay out of anchoring it too hard to just the one feature because then people will say like, well, yeah. just don't, don't give me that feature. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. The, so the la- yeah. Oh, for so many, especially in the early years, I fought off so many people that were like, I'd like to pay this because I only want to use this feature in your platform. Right? right. And it's like, nope, it's the plan. You choose what you want to use and that that's on you, but I'm not, I'm not taking and giving you only monitoring for $5 a month. Right. Like you just, it's not, to me, it's not the, the the best play that's out there. So I'd really look at like, you will develop probably three to five main talking points on like, here's why we're doing this. It mm-hmm. It's to allow us to invest in our future development and take the product path uh, that we want. It's to allow us to, you know, roll out the, the current features and to be able to serve you at a high level. Um, you know, so you'll you'll develop those. And to the ones that, you know, if you do have those conversations, I would just turn them into like product calls and and then ask questions. Why is it that you feel that way? What is it that's anchoring you to that number, right? And like, see what they have to say to you um, and see if it's like, are these worth considering or not? Are they valid or is it just their position, their emotion, or just the basic fact of, I don't want to pay more money, right? They would respond to their most favorite tool in the world, even raising the price five bucks and they would have that response. Sure. Yep. Yeah. No one wants to pay more money. So yeah. Yeah. But the products that we like love and depend on, there's plenty of times you're like, okay, I get it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like if someone came to me and said, like if MailChimp, like we're, we're so dependent on MailChimp at this point. Like if they raise their price, I'd be like, well, what are we going to do? Am I going to spend the next, you know, month researching the alternative, transferring everything over, setting up our funnels and something else, like all that stuff is such a pain. And so that's actually a really important thing to think about building into your product. How do you make your product this like, you know, your, your customers are dependent on your product and it would be really hard for them to switch to something else. There's, there's huge value there. And I actually see that with gather up quite a bit. I think gather up, has pretty solid retention rate for that reason, because once you kind of, you know, hit your trailer to that horse or whatever the phrase is, you're, you're kind of invested. Yep. Yeah. No, the more things, just as we were talking about the integrations being very sticky, Yep. the more you get the hooks deeper into their processes, um, you know, their marketing, things like that. Like, we definitely know, like if you're going to install our review widget 
on the website. Um, you're going to connect us to your point of sales or your CRM, like doing all those things. It's harder to rip you out. Yeah. Like you're, you have efficiency, you have things that took some time to build or connect or to configure. Um, and that's why the, the whole challenge is getting them to like unlock those things and get just a little bit deep, deeper with you. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling good about it. This, this has been a really helpful conversation to kind of wrap my head around some of the things I want to think of. You're always great to talk to about this stuff, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely an area like um, I haven't, I've only experienced mildly once planned to go through a second time. And I was really interested to go through it you know, it was after we sold. Uh, and so I had a little more emotional detachment. Um, and our parent company had already raised prices in a couple products before. So they had, you know, some data modeling and some historical expertise and, and things like that. Right. Um, you know, the, the other thing is like, once you have those conversations, then planning like a, you know, a three email series um, where it's like, hey, in two months, we're going to raise a price. And then in another month, you're saying, hey, just a reminder again, on February 1st, we're going to raise the price. Yep. Here's how much, here's how you're affected. I mean, those those are some of the things that I've, um, when people fail and it turns into either a Twitter storm or hate on some social channel or grumblings is like companies communicate and the change is too fast where it's like, hey, starting next week. Um, and then if it's unclear, right, where they're not saying... Yep. This is how it's changing, and here's how you're affected, right? And they just give a, we're going to raise prices. You'll find out, whatever that might be. Um, and I've I've experienced this as a, a customer too. I've seen people do it correctly, and it's like, okay, I get it, makes sense. You're giving me a heads up. You allow me to wrap my mind around it. You allow me to like, you know, you need to give somebody time to budget, or maybe they need to pass along that cost to their end user. Um, but you know, on the on the other side of things, when you do it too fast and you're not clear and you can't explain, you know, even some of the core things um, mm -hmm. behind it, like then you just you're really asking for your customer customer to be frustrated about it because they're, they're going to create kind of their own answers. And usually their own answer is just going to be that these guys are greedy and they just want more money instead of understanding that it's what they need to do to be successful. Yeah. And then when we're successful, then we're providing better product. For you, so you're successful. Yep. And then after after you do the increase, then you also need to think through like your support team and responses. Like, how do you respond when people reply to the email with "What about yep. this? What about that?" Like having talking points and having like pre built answers that they can work off of instead of trying to like invent things um, to reply or one offs or being inconsistent in your messaging. Yep. You definitely want to do it. It's all the more reason for me, like have a handful of those conversations, see how people react, what they say, how you respond or what's important to them. And mm -hmm. does that cal calm the waters? And like, then you can build out that script for your support team when they get dozens of these on the very first email that you send out to your customers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, like those initial conversations, I'll probably, I'll probably pick our like top five clients that have been with us the longest they're at the higher level plan they're active they're using the tool all the time those are the people i want to talk to and i just want to uh you know let them know that this is coming this is what the new feature is these are the reasons why we're increasing pricing and then get their thoughts and some of those things that they'll raise will be uh can be scripted out for our support team how to respond to these things yeah absolutely yeah.
Makes sense. Makes sense. I think it's going to be worth it for sure. I think it's going to uh, drive significant value for the company. Um, but of course, I feel a bit nervous about it. I feel nervous. Like, can you imagine if like we lost more than half of our user base? That would suck. <laughs> it it definitely would. Yeah, that would definitely not be not be fun. Um, but it, it would also create. I mean, here's the other way to like look at some of those things is like depending upon your price range, you know, it's like, okay, I still have the same amount of money, right? but I don't have to support as many people. And I, and I get that, you know, it's, it's not what, it's not what you want out of it, but there's definitely, you're going to learn, you're going to learn about how people value your product, how they view you, mm-hmm. their sensitivity to these things, all, all those other things you are going to learn. So, I mean, you're right. You're right to be wary. Um, Right. It's just like an anxious, apprehensive. But I think I think if you communicate early, you're, you know, you're, you're prepared, you have all those pieces. I, I think I think it'll it'll work out. Right. I think so, too. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm, I'm a little nervous, but I think it's going to be a net positive for the company overall. Could be the thing that like totally skyrockets us to the next level. Right. Like yeah. if. If we don't lose too many customers, we increase our growth, then I could see myself, you know, making a lot more money and hiring, you know, increasing our development resources, increasing our support, increasing sales, increasing marketing. And then all of those additional investments allow us to grow even further. So I, don't, I think it's yep. this lever that we must pull now and it's, it, it'll pay dividends in the long term. Yep. And then you probably need to condition yourself to hopefully be able to pull that lever in two to three years again, instead of another decade. <laughs> sure. Well, I'll have some experience, you know, so yep. Yep. I've been through it once. Yeah. I, there yeah. you go. You, you know, you'll know like, all right, you survive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, good. What's, um, what's roughly your planned timing on this? Well, the feature is, uh, I would say it's about three weeks of development out. So still some tweaking uh, of the software, getting it ready. And then I'd give it another couple, three weeks to sort of get our every all of our marketing in, in place to do the launch. So I'd say, I don't know, roughly a month and a half from now. But then, of course, we don't want to launch on December 25th or anything like that. So I'd yep. say early Q, early Q1 of uh, 2021, we're, we're going to pull the trigger on this. It'll, yep. it'll come out. And then I do think we'll stagger the price increase. So we'll launch the new plans at this rate, and then we'll communicate to our existing customers that their rate will be going up. I want to give them a chance to like see the new feature, you know, experience it, see the value that we're bringing with it. And that they have a little bit of a runway before their price will go up. That's my general feeling on how I'm going to roll it out. Okay, cool. No, sounds good. I'll be watching and uh, yeah, holler at me if you want to talk any more on on figuring out some of the little things in it. I will. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, and it'll be good for us to uh, check in on this. I, I have, I have a feeling, let's just say, call it a hunch. We're going to have a lot to talk about in our upcoming episodes. I just feel it. I feel it too. Yeah. We got (laughs) to, you know, as soon as we get off this, this recording, we got to just book the next one. So we don't go another two months. There you go. Consider that my, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably foreshadowing. So be on, be on the lookout. Big things are coming. Big things coming from both of us. Sounds good. 
All right. Awesome, Darren. Great to catch up with you. We are going to book our, our next one and at least get another episode out before uh, the year ends here yep. um, and not spend another uh, two months in between you and I having an elongated conversation. That's just silly. Sounds good. All right. Take care, my friend. Take care. All right. Thanks see again. everybody. Bye, everyone.